Welcome to Rental Equip Talk Radio with your host, Donald Charbonnet. This is the radio program designed for industry insiders, as well as anyone interested in getting into the rental equipment industry. Now, here is Donald Charbonnet. How y'all doing today? I'm your host, Donald Charbonnet, broadcasting live from the beautiful facility of Genie Industries in Redmond, Washington. It's nice to get away from the heat in New Orleans. So today's show is sponsored by Genie Industries. If you buy an aerial, buy blue. How's the world of rental doing today? Remember, the key is service and teamwork. A big thank you to all our listeners, tell your friends and associates. And remember, you can always listen on demand after the show. And let me know if there's a certain guest or subject you'd like to have in the show, and I'll do my best to get them. I can always be reached at rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com, or you can call or text me at 504-615-0540. So today's a very special show for me in that I've, I've attended the ARA Region 8 Annual Conference that is being held at Genie. Genie's hosting the event in Redmond, and man, what a facility they have. We had a beautiful tour this morning. Uh, there are indeed, and quality assurances second to none that I've seen. But before we get into Jeannie, I'd like to introduce the director of Region 8, Michael McDaniel. Michael is the owner of Ideal Rental, based in Mount Vernon, Washington. Michael, welcome to the show, and thank you for the invitation to attend. And please tell the audience uh, about how you got into the business and what your duties are as a regional director. All right. Thanks, uh, thanks, Donald, for coming. It's been a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to go tour some of the sites in Seattle, like Pike Place, and go down and have a dinner as a sunset there on the uh, Seattle on Pike, the water waterfront. Was, so last night was super. I yeah, then <laughs> seeing the what the original, the first Starbucks. Yeah, that was that's uh, right. <laughs> that was nice. There's uh, a lot to see here. I can tell you. Nice, uh, nice too. So, all right, you're. Uh, so, what was the so question tell, again? Tell me, tell me about, first of all, how did you personally get started in the rental business and how long have you been in it? I personally got started in the equipment rental business by almost accident. I was uh, born and raised in Omaha and I'd interacted a little bit with rental. One of my uh, businesses, I built wooden storage sheds and there was a equipment rental store in Bellevue, Nebraska. That operator's name is Dan Smith, and he rented me a small little piece of space or ground to display a, a shed. So I saw rental looked uh, pretty interesting. So I could get to basically play with uh, big equipment, which it looks like uh, uh, toys. So that's uh, yeah, I rented things from time to time from United Rentals. So that's uh, right. Maybe first saw the the industry and how it worked, and it looked uh, interesting, intriguing to me. And you got started back in two thousand and two on a wing and a prayer. It sounds like. Well, I was <laughs> something got in common after learning from talking last night. Got uh, was fired from my my last uh, hourly position uh, job, and I had the. Goal, uh, goal set on opening up just a general tool equipment rental store in the town that I was living in, and it, it didn't come into uh, fruition. Uh, zoning restrictions, and I had ordered two inflatable bounce houses. Probably borrowed uh, credit cards about eight thousand dollars, and started doing uh, doing that. That didn't work out to do the. Uh, actual uh, physical uh, location running running equipment so started doing that learned really quick I had to uh, diversify pretty rapidly to stay uh, stay in business and that's what I did I basically did party and event rental leading up to 2012 and in 2012 I got a call out of the blue from my uh, bank and they said uh, asked me if I had an interest in buying this equipment rental store that was in Mount Vernon, Washington, and evaluated for two to three uh, months, talking with uh, lawyers and a CPA. And about three months after that, uh, that New Orleans that ARA show, I uh, bought the company. So went from event rental back into what I originally my original plan, which would be renting equipment, your trenchers and scissor lifts, excavators. So. 
So let me ask you this. What, what gets you excited to go to work each day? I would say the main thing that gets me excited would be solving people's problems. And each day is uniquely different. I still get a, a thrill and a rise of the excitement of answering the phone and watching all the long-term plan, everything come to come together. You know, our marketing website, uh, Google, how people find us when they need to, you know, they're in Oregon and they're doing a job site in Mount Vernon. They need to rent temporary chain link fence. And then they, they find us uh, organically through our, uh, our marketing efforts, our, our website. So right. that's been that's been exciting. And, and Michael, as a director for Region 8, you cover Washington, Oregon, Alaska, Idaho, and Montana. So you tell me why the ARA is important not only to you and, and how its success is so deeply rooted in volunteer involvement and, and leadership. Certainly, yes. Well, the ARA, I don't think there's any other organization quite like the ARA as far as how one-on-one people help uh, people. So you can be an operator in California and might have a some sort of a question, a mechanical question, and maybe you met a, another operator in Tennessee and um, people that they work together and uh, they want to help uh, help others. So that uh, that's one you know, unique aspect. I think for me being new to the industry, equipment uh, rental and starting something from from the ground up, it probably greatly reduced my uh, the learning curve and uh, helped minimize the uh, uh, mistakes. So I remember eagerly when rental management come out monthly, I would just devour the material and try to emulate what uh, some of these top uh, operators are, are doing. So They really do a lot to help, help operators, without question. They do, and legislatively, very active and we work on very relevant matters that uh, help uh, help all from independents to uh, to nationals so and, and I know that you you're uh, you attend the ARA show the rental show obviously but have you found some other trade shows that are valuable to for you to attend well like glad you asked that so I uh, got one more area of Oregon we got a there's a football game I'll be going to on Saturday and then I'll uh, stop uh, Seattle and fly to Kansas City and then rent, rent a car and drive to Louisville, Kentucky for the ICU-EE show. I've never gone to that before. So you get to, apparently it's very large, but you get to live uh, demo the uh, equipment, get on it and operate it. So that's a unique experience. That's different than the uh the uh, the ARA show so yeah the convention (laughs) floor where the what tires are all uh, armor all and you got to be careful leaning on you get that uh, tire lube uh, (laughs) grease on your suit uh, suit pants I think Chad can relate to that (laughs) yes Um, I've also in the past I've gone to uh, IAPA amusement trade show held uh, annually in Orlando Uh, go to the participate in the California the rental rally that's held in in Vegas, I've uh, been to Con uh, Con Expo uh, a couple times, and then uh, changed things up. I went to a uh, a PMA show in Orlando last year, which is a, put up by the Produce Marketing Association. So wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any no skin in the game there, but I was a, uh, a spectator uh, in that. So unless just open on grapes, I don't know what. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it's very important to uh, to go to these shows and to go to the uh, uh, the rental show. So it's where products, the opportunity they have for the educational uh, classes that are put on are, uh, are phenomenal and um, just a good time to get uh, re-energized and speak with people with the same uh, – same interest that uh, that you have. Okay. So. Well, I, I got to tell you, I got to congratulate you, and you had a, a great attendance today, and the fact that you had it here at, at Genie and, and got a factory tour and helped educate them. As we're about to hear more about ANSI and things like that, is you know, it's kind of what the ARA is all about and, and, and helping. So. Exactly. Yeah. Everything for me kind of came full circle with this uh, being your first time seeing a major manufacturing uh, 
facility and uh, with your all your past experience in rental and uh, buying uh, Genie uh, equipment and then uh, meeting uh, Luke from, uh, from Gearflow and then hearing his uh, family uh, story. So Absolutely. And uh, Absolutely. being one of the first uh, Midwest customers of uh, Genie equipment. So, and I didn't know that until we were out last uh, last night. So wow. I am, <laughs> thought that was pretty uh, pretty neat how it kind of. All falls in again. <laughs> correct, correct. Thanks. Okay, well, next up, uh, we have Chad Heaslip. Uh, Chad is a, is a Genie Senior Director of Product Management for Terex AWP. Uh, Chad has been with Genie since 2001, and in his 18-year career with the company, he's worked extensively in product management and engineering, including holder positions on the new product development and product improvement teams, He's also an active participant in the company's five-year vision and roadmap process activities. Chad holds a Master of Mechanical Engineering degree and a Master's of Business Administration with a focus on technology management degree from the University of Washington. Chad, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Donald. I appreciate it. Uh, We really enjoyed the tour of the the factory today and the R&D department and uh, just second to none as far as I'm as I'm concerned. You're sworn to secrecy on what you saw, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We had to leave our cameras at the door. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. So, so Chad, let me ask you this. Uh, Genie's distribution. Genie distributes equipment primarily through the rental market. And, and why is that, and how does that benefit customers using aerial equipment? Yeah, um, I, I would say that statement is really accurate for North America. Um, and if you go around the world and, and look at the different markets we sell into, it's not always the case. Um, so it really depends on, uh, I would say, the maturity of the capital markets um, uh, as to what's going on uh, with the specific region and how we distribute. So, so for example, uh, in North America, um, we have these big major contractors uh, all the way down to small major contract or small contractors. However, um, you know, what they do and their focus really has to do with how do I build buildings better and faster? Um, and that's what they do best in the world. And so, uh, especially as we've gone through several recessions over the last 25 years, we've seen them really um, uh, go to other partners and say, hey, I'm not good at maintaining a fleet or managing a fleet. Um, can you do that for me? And I'll focus on building. And so, uh, because there's the capital out there, uh, for rental companies to really emerge and hold that equipment, be the best in the world at managing fleet, keeping it utilized, but also uh, keeping it running. Um, um, they're doing that part because they're the best in the world at that, and that allows the construction companies to do their part, which is what they're the best in the world at. And so um, I think in developed markets like Europe or United States, we see a really high concentration of rental, above 90%. Maybe in other undeveloped markets, you'll see less, you'll see more individual ownership, um, uh, more retail. I, I, I would think, just, just brainstorming for a moment, that your customers are really twofold and that the contractors being the end users, that I'm sure you get feedback from them as well as from the rental companies who's telling you what the contractors use. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> and, and that's the game. Um, we've got to make a product that works well for the contractor and really works well for the machine operator. Um, uh, who, but also makes money for the rental company. And so we've got to design a machine that kind of hits both worlds and, and, and finds that perfect balance. And that's the, the challenge and that's the fun of equipment manufacturing. Um, it's not like car manufacturing where you get to make a whole lot of money by making something cool. <laughs> Nobody cares how cool a rental piece of equipment is. It's does it help me do my job faster, better, um, um, and does it help the rental company make more money? Right, right. Well, uh, and Chad, there's there's new ANSI and CSA standards coming in North America at the end of this year. And so tell us how Genie's addressing its product development strategy and roadmap today to, to meet these. And, and be as thorough as you can, please. We're not in a hurry. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think this is... This, this is probably the biggest question that anyone uh, is asking this year. Um, uh, it, if you've been reading along, if you've been paying attention, you know that uh, in December of last year, ANSI published the new standards for North America. And they're a significant departure away from uh, the old ANSI standards that were in place before that. And so 
Um, those standards published in December of last year, there's a one-year uh, uh, period in order to come up to speed. And then really after December of this year, so only a few months away, all the manufacturers are required to produce new machines that meet that standard. Um, now, uh, any machine in someone's fleet today is grandfathered in. Any machine that's produced down a production line today is grandfathered in. Any machine produced after December of 2019 must be produced to the new standard. And so it's a pretty significant shift uh, in the way that North American looks at uh, how machines operate and really where the responsibility is. Um, in the old standard for ANSI, really a lot of the responsibility was on the shoulders of the operator of the machine, uh, specifically around things like capacity. And so uh, the machine might be labeled with 500 pounds of capacity, and, and it was up to the operator to understand what he was loading into the basket and, and really monitor that load. With the new standard, things like capacity shift onto the responsibility of the manufacturer, and so we have to build into the control systems of the machines the ability to monitor capacity, we call that load sense, and then uh, shut the machine down if that capacity is exceeded. Um, and that's a pretty major shift for the way that we expect machines to operate here in North America and the way in which we've always, really for the past 50 years, operated machines. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we, we've been in, we've, we sit on the standard committees, we've been aware of this now for over four years. And really, uh, to answer your question, we started four years ago retooling almost every single one of our machines uh, to be designed for the new standards, but also to not take away capability of the machines with that new standard. In fact, what we want to be able to do is give machines that allow people to do their work they're doing today, even if that work that doing today may be exceeding the rules. So for instance, on the 500 pound capacity machine of today, uh, we don't think that's enough. And so with load sense coming, we're gonna bump our capacities up to 660 pounds uh, for the full envelope, and then 1,000 pounds for a restricted envelope of that machine. And we're calling that XC or extra capacity. And you're gonna find that come across the whole uh, core category class of genie booms. Right. And well, and along with that, the North American standards, I mean, you guys are a global company. How does that impact the global co- customers that you have? Yeah, and so Europe has had these kind of standards for the last 20 years. And so uh, essentially we've been producing two different machines, one for Europe and one for our North American customers. And in order to do that down the same production line, you have to bolt on this extra stuff. When you bolt on stuff like that, uh, it's it's inefficient for the machine and the cost of the machine, but also you don't get to leverage that uh, information in that smart control system then. So the, the good thing about the new standards is we're basically uh, uh, getting a homogeneous standard across the whole world. Everyone's going to get essentially the same machine, which means now these new sensors we have to put on, like the load sensor, we know it will be on every machine. And so we can incorporate that information into the machine to make the machine run smarter uh, and be more efficient. And so um, because I can change my envelope based on the load now, I don't have to add a whole bunch of counterweight or a whole bunch of expense to the machine to be able to give you this extra capability. Right, right. So you're really cost-driven at the same time as, as compliance. Absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously, we can't go raise our prices 15% with the new standard and expect anyone to make money on that. So we had to really balance giving the capability to do the job out in the field, but also continuing to give our customers, the rental companies, the ability to continue making money with Blue Gear. And one, one of the things that uh, I guess was new to me today and that I always thought that Genie was just Redmond, Washington. And come to find out that, that y'all have a number of, of manufacturing facilities, even in North America. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, over the last 12 years, we've really taken a step to globalize. Um, and the globalization really uh, uh, isn't necessarily um, to bring machines from outside the country into the U.S., it's really to get to our customers around the world faster. Um, a, a typical machine can be shipped inside the U.S. within one week of finishing manufacturing, but to ship to a country uh, in Europe would typically take an extra 12 weeks. Wow. And it's tough to compete in the, in that market when you have a 12-week lead time on the water sitting on a boat. So um, 
uh, really it's setting up factories in, uh, in other parts of the world to get the same high quality machines we make here in Redmond uh, built closer to those customers so we can give the same level of service uh, for our customers in Europe or Asia um, uh, when they need it. And, but even in North America, you've got what? Yeah, so we've got four facilities now across North America as well. And so we've got a facility here in Redmond, Washington, uh, Moses Lake, Washington, right across the mountains, um, Oklahoma City, and Rock Hill, South Carolina. So really trying to get our products as close to our customers as possible um, and to, to get them the machines they need when they need them. Okay. Well, that's, and that was the point I was trying to make, that yeah. you're not just way up here. Uh, and so uh, the regional product differences, you kind of touched on that. Can you elaborate a little bit more about how you can uh, manage those benefits with customers? Are the customers different, that different overseas? Or Yeah, so what we're finding more and more is uh, while we may get a very specific request in one part of the world, um, just because the other parts of the world aren't requesting it doesn't mean that that's not a really good machine for them. Uh, I think we had a lot of success with a machine that we came out with for Europe specifically, which was a scissor lift called the 4047. Uh, uh, Europe really needed this because they had taller and taller warehouses with narrow aisles and they wanted a, a tall slab scissor. Um, North America, when we asked customers, nobody really wanted it, but we brought it anyways. And uh, what we found was, even though no one knew they had this need, people were immediately able to turn that into a high utilization, high ROIC machine. And so um, there are different product needs in, in different parts of the country or the world, but I think mostly it's just they haven't identified this gap yet. So typically a machine that's successful in one part of the world usually is successful somewhere else. Right. Now, as far as differences go... Um, the core of all the machines will be essentially the same for the whole world now. Uh, how the machines operate, their control systems, the structural. Um, we're still going to see differences in engines because of engine regulations and fuel quality around the world. And we're still going to see uh, small differences in decals because different countries require different kinds of decals. In Europe, for instance, you're required to run symbol decals because there's such a diversity of languages where in the U.S. we run English decals because we want people to be able to read them. So uh, it, different uh, uh, superficial things like decals uh, and different engines, certainly, um, but the core of the machines now will be the same around the world. Could, could, could you touch on the engine side? And uh, earlier today you mentioned about the different tier levels and what's ahead. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, Tier 4 final was a... Uh, Not final? <laughs> well, it... it it, it, it was a big jump for our industry, right? Um, for the core of our engine products, we went from a very simple air-cooled engine to a, let's say, modern uh, common rail fuel-injected uh, electronically controlled water-cooled engine. So it was a big step in complexity. It was a big step in, uh, in cost, to be honest. Uh, and everyone paid that cost. Uh, we paid it. The engine manufacturers paid it. And uh, the rental companies certainly paid it. So uh, it, it was a big jump. Um, Europe is going through a similar jump right now. They call it stage five. And it's one step beyond tier four final. Okay. Um, so will stage five come back to the U.S.? Uh, I think we would be crazy to say no. But we also don't see any kind of time horizon for when it would hit us. So I would say we've got several years before we have to worry about it. And luckily, uh, we'll have that technology refined and perfected in Europe well before it ever comes back to the U.S. Well, and, and along those lines, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the hybrid side. Yeah, and that's the other side of it. I mean, um, uh, when we think hybrid, we've got to not think the word Toyota Prius, right? <laughs> uh, um, you know, what we've got to think is what's the most efficient way to get the power from the crank of the engine down to the wheels. And, and if we look at a traditional hydraulic drive machine right now, we bleed 40% of that efficiency out to heat, 40%. And so uh, there's a lot of uh, low-hanging fruit there if you can improve from the crank of the engine down to the wheels. And so our Z60 FE, which we've had up for a couple years, um, it actually runs on a 25-horsepower engine, and I would pit it against a 50-horsepower hydraulic drive machine tomorrow, and it would beat it 
because it's so efficient going from the crank of the engine to the wheels. It's got four direct drive AC drive motors, similar to like what you would see in a Tesla. Um, and it gives higher performance than our IC uh, powered uh, brother machines to it. So it's it's exciting to see what's coming with hybrid. Hybrid is not about saving fuel, right? Uh, although it does. Um, hybrid is about how to get more efficient power to the wheels with smaller, less complicated engines so that we don't have to invest all this money in these future tier changes on the engines. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things which driving the, the future of the aerial market, not only the aerial market, but what, one of the things I want to touch about is is the whole technician shortage issue that we have. And I saw in my visit uh, changes in technology and safety and productivity that I think will, will maybe make it easier for technicians moving forward. Could you comment on that, please? Yeah, so, um, it, you know, essentially, if you look at any new Genie machine now, the majority of them will have uh, some kind of a digital display readout on the machine. And more and more, we're trying to put everything you need to do to troubleshoot that machine on that display. The machine should be able to tell you what the problem is and how to fix it right on that screen. We also give the ability now on more and more machines to load software directly from that module uh, via USB and, and to basically be able to do all the troubleshooting or settings you need to do on the machine so you can do it as quick and effectively as possible. We're also really moving into a new era of telematics. And telematics is really interesting because telematics, uh, essentially it ties a cell phone directly into the core processor on the machine. So anything that the machine knows, you can now beam over telematics to your computer uh, inside your, inside your uh, rental yard control center. Um, and that means when a customer calls you with a problem on the phone, you're not troubleshooting in the dark. You can actually pull up that machine you can see the error codes. You can see what the last activity was. You can know a whole lot more about what that machine uh, is doing or, or has been happening to it. Um, telematics in the last few years has been about location data. Mm -hmm. Location data is the tip of the iceberg. Really, telematics gets super powerful the minute you're tied in with the control system and the minute you can see everything on your computer remotely that the person can see standing in front of the machine. Now you can have a lot better conversations on the phone and maybe save some of those trips with your technician driving three hours to go find out the guy forgot to plug his scissor in last night. And, and some of it, if I understand uh, some of the conversation uh, earlier today, was that some of the machines that you've been making for the last number of years are actually equipped to be adapted to that. That's right. That's right. So uh, uh, a number of years ago, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly when, maybe three or four years ago, we started putting a port on the side of our control boxes that we called Telematics Ready. And it was essentially hooking that machine control system uh, up to the possibility of applying, of, of applying Telematics to it. Now, we weren't ready yet to put Telematics on all of our machines at that point in the game. Um, but we needed the machines to be future-proof and ready. And so um, all of our machines produced over the last several years have that Telemax ready port on the machine already. And then starting in April of this year, we started shipping machines with a Telemax module plugged in and activated on that port. So I think we've got over 8,000 assets in the field now wow. uh, with Telematics running. Um, and then the, the, the rental yards that buy those machines now can monitor those machines uh, for free for the next three years and get all the information that they need off those machines remotely. So obviously you all have addressed technology, safety, and productivity from the manufacturing side. Yeah, and I think when I think of those three topics, really, you know, our whole industry is based around safety, right? right. Uh, we're, we're here to give people a safer way to do work at height. Um, um, and if we can do uh, that and add productivity, then it's a double win. And that's where you see mass adoption of aerial work platforms is when the safety leads first uh, and then people discover how productive they can be by using an aerial work platform and, and then the mass adoption comes, right? right. Um, um, and really the, the way technology fits in there is how can we use technology to continue to drive innovations and, and continue to, to, to lift that level of productivity um, um, without lifting the cost of the machines as fast, right? And so we're using technology 
to, to, to keep the costs down and, and, and increase the performance while always maintaining the safety. Right. Well, I have to tell you that I'm totally impressed with the, with the, the whole organization that I've seen today. Everybody's been not only so kind and, and, and polite, but the, the facility and the R&D and everything that you guys are doing to make a good, safe product for our industry is second to none. So I congratulate you for that and take Appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to okay, visit with me today. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys spending time with us. So thank you. Great. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Okay. So next up, and and my last guest uh, today is a gentleman by the name of Luke Powers, and Luke is the co-founder of a company by the name of Gearflow. Luke, welcome to the show. Thanks, Donald. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. So I, I know you started off in in the family uh, business, uh, USM Reynolds, back in 2012. Yeah. But, so tell us a little bit about that that company, and then I'd like you to give me the elevator pitch on Gearflow. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And we're not in an elevator, so. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So we uh, we we've been a longtime uh, dealer for Genie, and it's it was really cool to be here today. So. Uh, my father-in-law actually started a, uh, a relationship with Genie in 1976, okay. and uh, just hit it off with the founders um, uh, Bob Wilkerson and Roger Brown, and and kind of grew his business from there from 1976. And 1990 is when USM Reynolds was founded, also known as US Markets. And what we do is we re-rent the largest boom lifts Genie has, so 150s, 180s, all throughout the country. We also have atrium lifts and telehandlers. Um, so it's the high capex. Items that you know an independent operator uh, probably wouldn't stock, you know, but obviously would still want to be on those jobs. Even the national companies don't don't really stock enough of them, mm-hmm. and so we we constantly move our fleet throughout the country, and and that's what uh, that's where I worked 2012 to 2018, and just really got a great feel for how robust this industry is. It's right. really incredible. So you're customer bases other rental companies basically. correct yeah yeah so usm we are a wholesale uh rental company so okay. we trust a lot of you know it, it takes a lot of trust uh in, uh, and and I, I suppose luck but to keep our machines uh you know serviced and and everything because we're we're really uh partnering with our, our rental companies out there and um you know we we target the large jobs that are going on like stadium builds or wind farms and um and they they use us as as capacity for that. So, what's the largest piece that you guys? Uh, on the boom lift, it's 180. Yes, okay. it's, it's 180. And then on the atrium lift, it's a uh, actually 153. Wow. So, Toypen, uh, which is out of Germany, makes mm-hmm. a uh, TL 153. So you can roll this thing through a standard double door. It's a spider lift, also known as an atrium lift, and it'll expand out and and you can go uh, platform height 153, work at 159. <laughs> Maybe you can. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> theoretically. Somebody you. can. That's right. That's so, right. So how did you, uh, I guess, migrate from the, the general uh, re-rent business into your new yeah. company of Gearflow? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So that, so uh, in my past life before USM, I was in a uh, 3PL, and it was actually a sister company of Groupon in Chicago. So I was around a lot of uh, developers, a lot of, around a lot of en- engineers, and then, uh, and then I went into to rental. And it really struck me traveling the country, uh, you know, first off, how robust it is. It, 80%, as we know, are independent rental operators, you know, uh, you know guys like Mike that, that just started and, and wanted to get in and... Um, you know, buy your bootstraps, uh, you know, build, build, a, build a great business. And that's really inspiring. And it's also, uh, to me, probably kind of rare in the economy to have this many entrepreneurs. So anyway, that was, that was one. And the second one was that, um, you know, all these independent operators do a fantastic job in their territories, but are relatively unknown outside their territories. Right. So the nationals, of course, have the resources, have the branding, have teams, um, you know, where, where of course they are known, and uh, but there's thousands of, of incredible businesses out there that are that are unknown. It also struck me that all of these uh, parts that are sitting on shelves didn't matter whether I was at a United Rentals branch or a mom and pop. Uh, parts were collecting dust on shelves that that were a pain for them, but of course somebody's out there that would love that part and. Uh, Equipment for the most part, and, and fleet is unadvertised. So there's obviously listing sites, and there's there's ways to get it out. But generally speaking, fleet is unadvertised for sale. And then when you get outside the nationals, uh, you can't really interact online and and book rentals online outside of 
the Nationals. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was just a big that was just a big gaping problem in the industry that wasn't uh, you know the fault of anybody's. It was just that there's all these great companies out there that are focused on time utilization and dollar utilization as they should be. Right. Right. And so um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't come from a coding background, but I thought I'd take a stab at it. And I uh, I have a partner who comes from technology, and here we are. So I went in full time last June, and uh, and he went full-time last October. So the, the, the main products and services that Gearflow offers are? Yeah, so good question. So uh, so what do we do? So <laughs> the elevator pitch, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so we, we bring the equipment rental to, to digital life is, is kind of how I think about it. So um, to a rental company, they can have their own storefront, meaning they get uh, you know their own page dedicated on Gearflow. So you know, gearflow.com backslash your company name. You have your own logo on there. You have a banner, which is a picture of whatever you'd like, a description of your business, and we actually have uh, import reviews for you. So either Google reviews, Facebook, or testimonials. And that's all designed uh, to really give buyers a great experience for you, for who you are as a, as a company instead of just listings. And then we have the listings below that. So we, we host complete parts and tool sales. People can check out with credit card or PayPal. So you can sell those parts. You can sell those tools. You can sell that light equipment and you can generate offers on your heavy equipment. So, so if I'm ABC rental and I need XYZ part, yeah. how do I access to see if maybe Mike has one of those on his, yeah. on his shelf? Right. Which he might, right? And that's that's kind of some of the premise of the business. Right. You just go on Gearflow, you type that part number in, and you'll see, uh, you know, hopefully rental companies that have that part. You might see OEM options. You might see aftermarket. And, you know, as we add more and more companies, it becomes more and more rich, um, you know, as an experience. But you can do that today and check out. And same thing with uh, used equipment sales? Used equipment sales, we have a make offer function. And we also have um, a financing ability uh, for people to ask for financing, we can ship, uh, and really act as, you know, uh, rental companies are so focused on rental. That is where uh, money's made, and, and that's where the focus should go. That's where the energy should go. Right. And we're hoping they see Gearflow as a uh, partner to them to, to passively generate complete part sales and passively generate offers on their fleet throughout its life cycle. Right. And so what factors do you think will determine the, the future of equipment rental? Yeah, great question. So, uh, I think rental, it is a very exciting time. First, I think there's, uh, uh, Chad was talking about, you know, what they're doing in, in the telematics and um, there's, the, the equipment's getting smarter. Um, there, there's, there hasn't been a better time, I think, to start and be in the, in the industry uh, other than right now. I think it's just really exciting. Uh, but I think it's the, the companies that deliver the best experience and the companies that, focus on everything from their store layout, obviously to how their equipment's maintained, to tracking, um, to all of those things. They, you must be the best and, and customer experience. Uh, people now expect that, right? In, in order to gain market share, uh, it's not just the actual machine. It's it's the experience that, that, that each customer has, which is easier said than done. I think that's a maybe a cliche, but it is. it takes a lot of planning uh, on your store layout it takes a lot of planning on the cadence. What do you? What do my? What do my employees say? And then I think technology is a big piece of that. I think uh, having twenty four seven access to your inventory and uh, Gearflow is going to roll out a rental component next year, um, which will enable rental companies to book uh, rentals through the platform as well. Right. Uh, I think I think that's a important component of being there twenty four seven. You know, I think that all of this is gearing towards building trust with with contractors that they trust the system right. that they should create. And last night we spoke a little bit about how, how apps have become such a, a big thing with, with the majors. Can you comment on that again? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think the majors like United has, has done the industry a great service. United came out with their app in 2017. Uh, and this is, you know, just from quarterly earnings reports, they booked over 200 million on their app in 2018. And it's growing 45% year over year. And uh, United is not shy about saying in their earnings reports that they're, they're a solutions-based company instead of an, an equipment rental company. Um, you know, the equipment is secondary to the solution, right? So I think that we don't have to guess anymore. Is Would contractors like e-commerce, would contractors like a easy experience, you know, when they can, if they know exactly what they want, when they want it, where they want it, of course they would, right? Because that's what we do in everything else in life. And especially contractors who are constantly just on their smartphones. They, they don't obviously sit in front of a desktop computer. 
Um, so being mobile friendly, having the dashboards and having all these things that are just expected now, um, it's a, I think they've done a, a great service. Sunbelt, of course, has incredible apps and Herc um, and, and, and some independents are, are, are coming in too. So I think that's a big piece of it. Have, have you seen this to be a generational uh, thing with millennials, guys coming out of, uh, you know, contractor college, so to speak? Yeah. And they're new, you know, everything might look good on paper, but getting out in the field, which what I learned in the pipeline business, I might be a great engineer, but he has no idea what what's in front of the pipeline or under right. the pipeline or anything like that. Right. So they don't have the hands-on experience. So are right. you finding that the millennials or the younger generation today is more prone to use apps and order online than the, yeah. the older generation? That's all the data. I mean, that's not that's not me. That's just obviously all the data is on that. And that, and, and that goes to a couple uh, points of, um, we were talking about mechanic shortage Right, and, and they don't particularly want to be mechanics. Right, and they don't particularly want to want to understand what, what's going on. And so that's that's another problem. Right, <laughs> but but in terms of accessibility, um, I think that's cross generational. I think that cuts for anybody. I think uh, just as, you know, as we live our daily lives, you know, so much of retail doesn't matter who you are, what your age is, is done on your smartphone now through whatever app, Amazon app. So much of um, you know, certainly hotels and cars and cruises, so, so many things that we do, doesn't matter your age, um, you know, we, we do through apps. And obviously, it's it's only accelerating, as United's proved. Right. Well, besides United, I mean, do you feel like the rest of the industry is kind of lagging behind? And how, yeah. How do, how, do, how do they catch up? Well, that's a great question. I, yeah. And, you know, it gets back to their focus is where their focus should be, which is on the time utilization and dollar utilization and to uh, one to, to 10 store operators. It takes all your energy to do that, because if you take the if you take your eye off the ball, off off your fleet, off rentals, you know, you have a bad quarter that that could be devastating to you, right? So, um, that's what struck me about Gearflow, and that's why I actually just decided to to to, uh, to jump in was I didn't think uh, there was a good uh, answer for uh, rental uh, equipment rental online and in, in, in any of the um, you know the the Silicon Valley startups were getting it, were really getting how we operate and how we. Um, your book rentals, really what equip- equipment is to your point, right? And right. Um, and that's why I tried my hand at it. But uh, I, I think it'd be really fantastic if rental companies had a turnkey way, uh, and obviously I'm biased for Gearflow, right? But if they had a turnkey way to um, sell their parts, get generate offers on their fleet, and early next year be able to rent through Gearflow and have the same tools that the nationals have. Right. And, uh, you know, and all the upside as well. And, and you think you're the... the- conduit, if you will, for a lot of these independents yeah. to get to that point of competing against the nationals who have it already? Today, if anybody can sign up for, a, for an account, uh, we're, we're actually not charging a subscription. We're, we're just charging a, a commission off sale and you get a dashboard so you can see how many people have come to each product, how many people have come to your storefront, what your conversion rate is, as well as sales reports. Uh, you see all the orders that come through so you can process them. So it's really... To a rental company, your own, uh, instead of, you know, building out all these e-commerce tools and functionality, you just sign up and it's your business, it's your reputation. And it's, of course, uh, doesn't replace your website, but is a great, um, it's a great platform, I think, to be on in addition to your website. And uh, and you have all the tools to be successful. I've always thought it would be a challenge to go on a job site and get with the contractor and say, let me use your phone for a minute so I can put my app in there for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other side of this is, is gaining adoption, right? So we're, uh, and I think you're getting at, uh, how, do, how do we get to contractors? Is this what you're right. getting? Okay. Right. Yeah. So uh, one side is uh, we, we, we want to sign up as many rental companies as want to participate. You know, we're, we're, uh, that's who we're here to serve. And that's where we, and we actually found part sellers love us and some OEMs love us too, which, which, which has been great. And we, we love them. So, um, but for contractors, how they find gear flow is off SKUs. So for every SKU we add, that's another way we can be found on a search through Google. Um, and then content. So we uh, each week put out a article on a different seller on our platform. Mm-hmm. And it's their story. It's not us. It's not a testimony on gear flow. We, we want to tell that business's story um, because we think by doing right by them, that's more market exposure for them. Therefore, you know, it's more market exposure for us. We're, we're very much tied into their success. Their success is our success. And, uh, and that's 
also, of course, Google love that, loves that as um, uh, SEO, long-form um, blogs. are uh, The more keywords you have and the more content you have, the better. Okay. And that's our strategy. Just describe Gearflow in three years. Yeah, in three years, I w- you know, we are the place where um, contractors come to research what equipment rental company they want to rent from. Uh, what parts, or anybody really, I should say, what parts they want to buy uh, that are around the country and then uh, make offers on equipment. Now, that's today. In three years, they can do all those things and, and they'll be able to download, uh, like they can today, download um, parts and operator manuals. So really lean on Gearflow as an, as an extension of their business because contractors are dead focused on managing labor. That's their make or break. And, and you mentioned earlier about the, the parts uh, on the shelf with dust, so to speak. Sure. Uh, how does the pricing of that go? If I'm ABC and Mike's got a, a, a parted ideal that I want, does he determine the price that yeah. he wants to sell it for? Or? Yeah, it's all user generated. So it's completely up to our sellers how they want to price. How they want to price, um, we take, we can help them with uh, shipping if they'd like, or they can put their own shipping rate in. Um, we have an integration that's coming where shipping is very easy. We handle the taxes, handle the shipping, um, but it's all up to Mike, what, whatever he wants to list. And on the, on the OEM side, since we're here at Genie, do you get all the, the Genie parts list too? Will that be part of, of your offer? Hopefully one day. Yeah, we would love that. We would love to have, you know, as many OEM relationships as, as we can. And we think Gearflow, as this continues to build, um, you know, what a nice almost digital trade show it would be for OEMs, you know, getting in front of people researching equipment to buy. Right, right. Well, yeah. I mean, does that, does that go for new and used? Or? Well, we think that we, we would love to help facilitate new sales. So actually point people towards dealers, uh, local dealers, so that they can um, – just have better engagement. You know, let's say I'm, I've always bought, you know, brand X. I've never really considered brand Y, but I, it's just because I've never known about it. I've always just owned brand X. And, um, you know, it would be great if brand Y was also, you know, I could do some research there and I could see what the local dealers are and I could see some content about brand Y. And that goes back to um, research and contractors' businesses are constantly changing. You know, the equipment they own today might not be right for the next job. So maybe they rent or if the next job's long, Maybe they buy um, and or, vice versa. Or lease. Or lease, right, and vice versa. Maybe right. they maybe they are sitting heavy, as, as you'd say, right? And then maybe they want to sell some gear and, uh, and, and go into rental. But that is really those decisions um, we want to be able to help with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it sounds like you got quite a task in front of you. And so how, do you, how are you marketing Gearflow right now? So how yeah. do people get in touch with you all, so to speak, after – if they're kind enough to listen to the show. Yeah, they if they've listened this long, yeah. Uh, so I, my email... I haven't heard any clicks. <laughs> uh, well, I'll just say my email is luke, L-U-K-E, at gearflow.com. Um, and yeah, you can you know feel free to email me. Our numbers are all over our website. So you can you know just call, call in. It's our 800 number and uh, 800-554-3802. Okay. But, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to, to chat about, you know... Um, any business and, and what their strategy is and how we can help. And uh, that's that's how we're found, is, is through is through great partners like them and, and through SEO work. And so you're out there really just banging on doors, just yeah. promoting Gearflow and, yeah. and letting, educating people about how it can help their businesses, so to speak. That's right. Yeah, so I'm gone, you know, about every week. <laughs> it's the and you're saying right now this is subscription-free? It's subscription-free. Yeah, so we're keeping, so you, you'll see if, if you go to the site, uh, you go to the little sell button at the top, we did list um, subscriptions, but we're, we're actually not in practice charging that through the end of the year. And uh, we're, we're commission-based through, uh, through the end of the year and, and, and eventually may turn that on. But, um, but yeah, right now it's free. To list the unlimited SKUs. So sign up now. Sign up now. That's right. <laughs> Amen. No telling what it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> no, we always want to stay in alignment. We we, we, we always want to price ourselves as uh, our success is um, is our, our partner success. Right. I mean, wh- where else do you think this equipment rental industry is going to go just in your own work, your own thoughts? I mean, obviously, you've seen a yeah. niche in the marketplace, a need, a demand, and yeah. so you've created Gearflow. What else do you see? We're fortunate to hear from Chad about, you know, technology solutions and safety solutions and the actual equipment. Yeah. Uh, what is going to be the next big thing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, uh, I would say uh, going forward, we're not 
I think consolidation is overhyped personally. I think it's a, maybe it's a little bit of a contrarian view, but um, I think the reason this industry is so entrepreneurship rich is because you have great local knowledge of the contractors and what they need and where they need it. You know, pumps in Louisiana, where you're from, right? Or pumps right. around. Uh, it's pump heaven. It's pump heaven, right? right? Where where I'm in where I'm in Chicago, you know, Pioneer Pumps isn't putting out as many as they are down there. So the, right. so it's that local knowledge that really I think fosters a lot of entrepreneurship. I think um, the people that deliver the best experience and the people that uh, are most in tune with the contractors and the demand in the area are going to continue to succeed. But again, I think it's I think it's a very fun time to be in the space. I think it's going to continue to attract a lot of entrepreneurship. And, and certainly the, the nationals will grow and continue to grow and, and, and do well. Uh, but I think this industry, is, uh, it, it's, it will never be a cars, uh, rentals, sort of five options, and that's it. Right. Like this is a very robust space, um, great people in it, and uh, and it will be really exciting to see in the future how our you know dashboard tools get better and, and uh, machine understanding where everything is and how everything is working on job sites. So well, and that, and I see that in in Genie as they develop more products based on what the contractors really need as much as anything. And some of the very innovative stuff that we saw today, I think, right. only only proves the fact. You know, it's not like you just dig in a hole for, with an excavator, but with with aerial, it's a whole different ball game, and it's all over the map. Right. So uh, engineering is incredible. It's yeah. absolutely incredible thing to do. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, uh, it's about all the time we we have today. Uh, I really want to thank you guys for taking the time out of your busy schedules. Uh, Michael, Chad, and Luke, uh, best of luck uh, to all of you and your continued success in your businesses, and good luck from the, the, the new guy on the block, the growth guy, <laughs> you know, the super established guy, Jeannie, and then Michael, who's just battling the battle on a day-to-day basis. So, uh, in closing, uh, if you want to reach me, uh, my rental, uh, my email address is rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com, or you can Call and text me at 504-615-0540. And remember, you can always listen on demand. And uh, I hope some of the issues today uh, either helped or provoked some more questions for the success of your business. I know that uh, Genie stands by, ready to help. I know uh, Luke's company with GearFlow. And if you're doing rental business up here in Mount Vernon, I know Mike would love to hear from you. Uh, next week, uh, our legal authority, uh, my guest will be James Waite who's done numerous articles and seminars for the rental industry with some very exciting news. And as always, if you'd like to be a guest, suggest a guest, advertise, have a question, or need a guest speaker or business consultant, just let me know. Today's quote, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. So said Thomas Edison. It's been my honor to spend uh, this time with you today. I'm Donald Charbonnet, your host, the diehard of the rental industry signing off. And remember, be safe and good renting. Back to you, Voice America. Thank you all for being with me today. Thank you for tuning in to Rental Equip Talk Radio. Be sure to join your host, Donald Charbonnet, next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, have a great week.